Hi, and welcome to the Spencer Lodge podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Lodge, and today we have just finished recording a phenomenal podcast with a Palestinian refugee with a story that will pull at your heartstrings, one of hope and glory. But hey, Mahmoud Albarai, look out for this one. Let's cue the music. Okay, so I'm here with my mate, okay, Mahmoud Alvarai, who is a senior advisor at RERA, which is part of the land department, really. And whilst I'm going to talk to you about kind of real estate type stuff today, um, I think more importantly than anything else, um, after you told me your story and your journey, I would love for the audience that watches this show to learn a little bit about you. So I'm going to put you straight on the spot and ask you to tell everybody about your journey to becoming mm. who you are here in the UAE um, and where it all started from. Thank you so much for having me today. <laughs> You're welcome. And thank you for reminding me of my story. I always forget where I started from. Um, as you know, Spencer, there are about 60 million refugees as per the United Nations statistics, and I'm one of them. I'm still registered as one of the refugees. I was born in a refugee camp in Gaza, in Palestine. It's called Jabalia Refugee Camp. It's the largest in Gaza. It's the largest, I guess, in the Palestinian territories. So I was born in that camp, and I spent all my life till the year 18 there in Jabalia Refugee Camp. I studied in the UN schools, and living there in a place where you don't have a lot of facilities no playgrounds, no what you see, all kind of entertainments. And you're always worried and scared. Uh, a lot of people were killed. A lot of people were shot, friends, family members. So the bad news is always what you hear there. Uh, with the three hours of access to electricity on a daily basis, you kind of, how do I, I mean, how do we survive? So at very early stage, stage maybe years I was eight or nine years I said the only way out of this place is I want to do well in my school I want to be and the only option is to be actually number one because this is the only guy who gets a scholarship or a couple of people get scholarship maybe three four so I had to study very hard and this is my only way the education is my only way out of the refugee camp so just to make the long story short, on grade 12, we call it Tawjihi. The last year, which is the very critical year, you have to, this is the year where decides what's your future. The Intifada, or we call it the uprising, or Intifada of Palestinians started. So when the Intifada started, schools were closed. We didn't go to schools for months. We didn't focus on our studies. And I almost felt like my hope of getting out of the refugee camp is almost gone because I haven't studied for four months and the exams are coming in a few months and you don't have any hope of getting out. But at one night, I've decided, no, I have to study hard. I want to compensate. I want to make up for the, the days that I didn't study well. So I studied. I spent a lot of times, days and nights, Yes, we don't have access to electricity, but we have innovative ways of having electricity or having, you know, this kerosene lamps and 
so on uh, till the exams came and I did very well in the exams and on the day of the results I was announced to be number one in Palestine yeah, the whole country the whole country I got 99.7% and I thought I'm done I'm out of the camp and I don't want to be out of the camp just to be out of the camp I wanted to go back and help my family my friends there are a lot of people there there are millions now there are 2.5 million now just in Gaza they're all had no hope no access to any of what we see in developed countries just living in slums the only way of them is education so when I finished I got the highest I said I'm done I'm getting the scholarship but soon after my good news my hopes kind of hit walls of despair and frustration I couldn't get a scholarship I knocked on every single door I my family my dad is a teacher we have we are six uh, we are a family of six he cannot cover the cost of everyone if we go all to schools and universities this is a lot of money so what I did is that I was sitting with my dad what can we do we're stuck yes I'm the highest but I'm still I cannot get access to education and the school is I mean the, edu the, the colleges and universities will open in two weeks and I still I don't have any offer so we saw an ad in one of the news the UAE Red Crescent and we spotted the fax number my dad he said why not we send the fax to them just tell them about your story I told him do you think that it will work he said let's try it we're not losing anything so we wrote a letter saying to the UAE government this is my situation I got the highest but I don't have access to education and then all of a sudden I get a call a phone call Mahmoud Al-Burai said yes the guy said I am Elias Bosab from the American University of Dubai I heard about your story it came through the Red Crescent to Abu Dhabi TV and a person on Abu Dhabi TV it happened that he knew Elias Bosaib at that time and on the same day that Elias Bosaib met with them he was also having a meeting with His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid and he showed His Highness the letter that I sent and this guy is looking for an educational opportunity in the UAE then His Highness said bring him and within he said can you come to Dubai I said of course he said when can you come I said tomorrow and within 24 hours I got my visa and I came to Dubai and then I found everything there they gave me my own room they covered my education and I got a call from the protocol officer the chief protocol officer Sheikh Mohammed Khalifa Saeed he's still now the chief of protocol saying that also his highness has ordered us to give you a monthly salary to cover all your expenses whatever you want and all of a sudden from frustration from being left and from losing hope that you will at certain point of time be in a college all of a sudden you're a college you're in one of the fastest development developed cities in the Arab world and I came to Dubai and then I was you know yes it's great news I started 
my university first year didn't find myself that I, I couldn't do well in school because my English was so bad at that time. So I did very bad in TOEFL. I failed the TOEFL three times. So I was placed in English 098, I think, which is almost the second lowest level of English. And I just felt like I can't do it. I wanted at that time what I had in mind. I wanted to be the valedictorian of AUD, American University of Dubai. So I get an opportunity to come up to the stage in the graduation ceremony and say thank you to His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid. This, is my, this was my dream from day one. So 2001, when I came here to Dubai, started school, I was placed in English 098. At that time, Bill Clinton came and he gave the keynote speech graduation of 2001. And I saw the valedictorian giving a speech at that time. And I saw His Highness was very happy to know that the one who was giving the valedictorian speech is one of the people who got his scholarship. Actually, Sheikh Mohammed didn't only give me a scholarship. Hundreds of Arab young people get scholarship. So to make the long story short, I invested so much in my uh, English. I used to go to the library, Arabic newspaper on the right, English newspaper on the left. So I go directly to the Arabic one, read the Arabic newspaper, and then go to the English one. Oh, I read this in Arabic. This must mean this one. So I used to take note of, and I used to know, I mean, to learn 10, 15 in new words on a daily basis. And Alhamdulillah, I managed 2006 to be the valedictorian. So when I came to the stage to take my certificate from His Highness Sheikh Mohammed, he said, Mahmoud, I want you to work for me. And this is on the day of graduation. So, I mean, what kind of leadership? He took care of you all the way. He supported you all the way. And even on the graduation day, he told, I mean, he told me, your job is guaranteed. And I went and I gave the talk that I shared with you. It was supposed to be a three minutes talk and it ended up to be 10 minutes. The main message of my talk was, of course, thanking His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid, but also, and this is the message that I want to get across today, is the hope. We should never lose hope. And I always say, we have a saying about the olive tree. You can uproot it, you can burn it. You may think you have destroyed it, right? But the shoot always reappears, and it should reappear. If we fall down, we wake up. If we knock on a door and it's closed, we knock on the second one. But we never give up. And then His Highness gave me this opportunity of joining Dubai government. And then two months later, I went to say hi to His Highness. And he said, where are you now? I said, Your Highness, I'm in Dubai holding. He said, no, I want you to go and do your masters. Never stop. This is, I still remember. He repeated it three times. I want you to continue and never stop. I want you to continue and never stop. I want you to continue and never stop. And you know what? Since then, I done, I've done five master's degrees and a PhD. And I'm still actually, I just got admission from Oxford and I'm doing my sixth master. It's not because I want to have more certificates. First, I want to get knowledge in different aspects, different fields. And I also, I want to live up to the expectations of His Highness. He wanted me a man that he will be proud of, and I want to be his man. I, want, I, I call myself a product of Dubai. I don't forget my origin. I don't forget that I'm a refugee. I don't forget that the miserable life that everyone 
still living back home. I don't know if Spencer answered so many questions, but if you want me to go on, I can go on. Being a refugee actually made me uh, choose uh, very interesting ventures in my life. I, want, I, I became part of the United Nations, a global compact, and I invested so much time in being the voice of refugees, being the voice of people who don't have voice. There are a lot of people, there's 60 million of them. They don't have home. They don't have a place that they can go home. So how do we expect them to be normal people? How do we expect them not to be bad people? There are a lot of bad people just because they don't have hope. And this is why I say we always have to give hope to refugees in Syria, in Palestine, in Lebanon, in other parts of the world. They're human beings. They deserve to live. They deserve to get an opportunity. I'm very lucky I got opportunity. We're lucky, very lucky to be here in the United Arab Emirates. But there are a lot of people, 60 million of them, who still don't have any hope. Well, thank you for sharing that. Okay, cool. it's really, uh, as I've heard it before, it's very cool, the story that you've got to tell. And yeah, you say you're lucky, but let's just think about the impact that you being a refugee had on you and the gratitude that you have now for what you were able to get do you if you consider those refugees what do you do to try and i suppose pay it forward yourself because i'm i'm sure you're not the kind of person not the person i've got to know anyway that is, is grateful for what you've got and then basically waved goodbye and said that's you know that's the past and that's where it is and you say you've joined the un but what do you what do you actually do to try and help well when we talk about the gratitude i want to say the first gratitude goes back to his highness and to the country that hosted me supported me gave me the ue citizenship so i'm very grateful to them and for all support they've done and and this is why being part of the government of dubai i want to give back to the to the government not i don't only help one entity i work with so many government entities because i believe that uh, the knowledge that his highness invested in me i want to give it back to the country i want to and that's why i went back to aud from a student now i teach at the american university of dubai because i want to be part of creating the next generation of the arab and middle eastern entrepreneurs and uh, successful people. So I want to give back to the country, to the community. Back in Gaza, Palestine, uh, I've done a lot of work when it, uh, part of the United Nations Global Compact. Uh, we, we raised a lot of uh, campaign. We started a lot of programs on empowering youth there, giving them opportunities to uh, do business, to uh, uh, some companies in Gaza now are doing outsourcing services to companies here in the United Arab Emirates. So, and the, the workers there are refugees. Um, but you're you're I, you're you're a, you're an, a symbol of hope for these young people, because it happened to you, and you were exactly where they were, and that that is gonna not everybody obviously, but it's gonna impact some to believe that it could happen to them if they did the things that you did and probably more even since. Um, and that's, that's a good thing because hope is really important, isn't it? You know, and the faith that you can get somewhere. Maybe at a certain point of time, you lose hope. And uh, I don't say that I never lost hope. I lost hopes in so many occasions. But this is the only thing that will 
keep us alive. If we lose hope, then we're gone. We need people who give us hope. So His Highness Sheikh Mohammed, when he announced the hope makers, he wanted hope makers in every single Arab country. Those guys are the ones who give hopes to thousands of youth. So I, I, I also, what I did, I started my own think tank in Geneva. It's called Middle East Sustainable Development Institute. And on the top priority of such, of this institute is refugees, education, youth empowerment, working with the international community, with the United Nations, with the World Bank, with the World Economic Forum, with the Ministry of Youth, with youth centers here in the UAE. I'm planning to do a lot of stuff for youth. So I think this is not I'm doing it as a favor. This is a duty. Jesus. And if I don't do it, then I'm not the right person and I don't deserve what happened to me. I will never forget my past. And this is the story that I always share with my kids. I tell them, this is where I started. And this is, we have a lot of people that are still living miserable life. I took my kids last December in a journey to back to Jabalia, refugee camp. And I showed them, this is where I was. This is where I started my life. This is our home. We used to be six brothers and sisters staying in one room. This is my- How did, they, how did they react to it when they saw it? What was the- uh, Why? Why there is no electricity? Why? It's very hot. It was, it was very cold. And there's no light. You get scared, of course. Uh, they felt there's so many people here. I mean, here in Dubai, you feel like when you want to meet people, you go there and meet with them. They come to your home. But there are like thousands of people are on the streets. It's very crowded. It's the highest density, I think, worldwide when it comes to refugee camps. 2.5 million people living in 300 square kilometer. So it's one of the highest density and very social uh, society there. Mm. So when I went there, I just went maybe spend most of my time just greeting people, coming to say hi to me. Of course, I got maybe 100 CVs back with me that I'm still trying to help them finding jobs here in Dubai. So people look at me at, as a beacon of hope. They wanted me to help them. And this is not, again, a favor, I hope. And I always feel like guilty when I don't know how to help them. There are hundreds of them. Mm -hmm. I get a lot of Facebook messages. I get a lot of emails. People just want direction. Mm. So, well, the fact that you've got this interesting story and this—I love the way you use the word duty because I think it is. It's an obligation. It's your duty. It's your responsibility to do the right thing. There, Sheikh Mohammed said, "I want you to work for me." What did he mean by that? He did wanted he... me to be to stay in Dubai. He wanted me to give back to the community. And I think His Highness thinks that being here in Dubai gives me a lot of opportunities to expand and grow. And this is what actually happened. Being part of uh, a country that has 209 nationalities more than the UN has, 194 nationalities in the UN system have more than this. So I got an opportunity to grow, to be internationally connected. I'm part now, I'm on the board of the International Real Estate Federation. I'm on the board of American Realtors Group, which is 1.3 million members group. I'm working with the United Nations, with the World Bank, with the World Economic Forum. This opportunity wouldn't have been possible if I'm back in Gaza. 
And I'm sure His Highness knows that I can do much more to our people there back in Gaza when I'm here. I get an opportunity to work here. I get an opportunity to grow, expand. And I'm, since then, I've been with the government because His Highness wants me to stay in the government. And this is where I think uh, I will stay. I want to be the person that he trusts. I want to be the person who gives back to Dubai, to the UAE, but also to the Arab region. I feel I I'm on that mission. I can sense that. You've, you've got to know him personally, which others have, but most haven't. What's he like as a guy? He's a great guy. He's a very inspirational person. And he, when he talks to you, it's like a father speaking to you. I want you to continue. I want you to study. I want you to study hard. Whenever he meets me, he always asks me to continue. So leadership is about, you know, giving more energy to your followers. So I'm, I'm one of his followers, and I, the energy, the amount of positive energy that I get every time I meet His Highness Sheikh Mohammed, or even his sons, Sheikh Hamdan and Sheikh Maktoum. Sheikh Hamdan, the Crown Prince, always gives me the same advice. I want you to continue. I want you to keep being number one. I want you to be number one. And he asked me recently, about two years ago, to write my book. He said, I want your story in a book. So I wrote a book, and this book title is Thank You, Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid. Yes, thank you, Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid, because whatever I'm enjoying now and the level where I reach now is because of His Highness' support. I took the opportunity, I invested in myself, I never gave up, but the energy you get from him. And I remember one time he was talking to one of the students next to me, and he was telling her, where are you from? And she said, I'm from Jordan. He said, no, you're from Dubai. Anyone who lives in this place is part of our country. So this is the kind of leadership. So I always say that Dubai and the United Arab Emirates are in safe hands. Sometimes people say, oh, there is a recession, there is a crisis, whatever you call it. I tell them, don't worry, we have a great leadership, visionary leadership. He sleeps three hours at night, but he invests so much time in making this country the happiest, the most sustainable, the smartest. He's, he, he's on ground, he inspects, he sees how his project, he, he gets updates on every single project in the United Arab Emirates. We're very lucky to have him, and we're very lucky to have his sons, Sheikh Hamdan, Sheikh Maktoum, following his ideas and advices. So, I mean... You talk about it as you get an energy, it's almost like I picture it like you're getting a, a, a shot of adrenaline, a charge. That when, you, when you're with him, you get that charge and it's like a battery being recharged and a booster and then you go and up exactly. again, fully charged. Exactly, Yeah. And you are again on a rocketing yeah. uh, journey. It's almost like you, after you're with him, you feel you can, you become unstoppable again after yeah. you've spent time yeah, with him, yeah. yeah? I remember I finished my first master's from Singapore and I was, okay, he taught me to continue. So I went in Al-Aid, told him, Your Highness, I finished my master's in real estate from Singapore. He said, you continue, do your PhD. I said, your highness, I already registered another master. I will do PhD after I finish my master. I wanted to take more time back home. I don't want to be traveling all the time. So I finished my master MBA in finance, and I continued starting my PhD. And at the same time, PhD and a master at the same time. So PhD in Grenoble, France, and at the same time, masters in cities from London School of Economics and back and you also have your job daily job the government job and you are on the board of 
tens of international bodies. How do you feel it, I suppose, with a guy like that leading you, though? It's like you can yeah. make it happen, can't you? Exactly. If you, the leadership and the energy you get from them, it gives you the energy that you can make you can make anything happen. I like this one, make anything happen. Yes. And I know that there's always time. It's just a matter of managing your time. Yeah, absolutely. So... And you've got family too. Yeah. Okay, so describe to our audience what, after being told to push and work and learn and grow, you have a job. What is your job? What do you do? Well, till recently, till uh, December, till uh, October last year, I used to be the CEO of the Bay Real Estate Institute, and it's again it was an initiative of training not only UAE nationals but Arab youth to be real estate people. So we invested in about seventy, eighty thousand real estate professionals, and we spread the real estate knowledge in Dubai real estate model in different Arab countries in Saudi, in Bahrain, in Oman, in Egypt, and so many Arab countries. So the success story of Dubai real estate market regulation, uh, we call it Dubai real estate model. It was my mission to spread the knowledge, educate youth. And today we have a transparent real estate market that is one of the most transparent worldwide and it's the most transparent in the region. We have a lot of real estate professionals. If you remember 2007, you barely find someone who is educated, uh, knows the real estate laws and regulations. So that was my task. Uh, recently, um, being moved to be an advisor to reader to work on the practical side, the regulation side. So we work now closely on improving our real estate laws and regulations. I'm putting also my PhD topic, which is enhancing competitiveness of Dubai real estate market into practice. So I met about 60 real estate stakeholders and from all these interviews, we came up with what we should do to take Dubai to the next level, how we should improve on the real estate market. So this is the mission that I am now on. It's, it's more of a practical regulation modification journey. But at the same time, I teach at the American University in Dubai, and I'm also joining Oxford University soon in October. I'm doing my fifth master on sustainable development. Wow. So wish me good luck. <laughs> I'm a teacher, but I'm a student, a government official. Will you do that remotely or will you go there? I'll be going there for two months for a week. Okay. For two months, what, a week for every, every two months to study at Oxford? How cool is that? Amazing. London School of Economics, I never, Grenoble, and Oxford. I never thought in my life that I will be exposed to Arab education system, American education system, British education system. Singapore, yeah. French, so. And the alumni, the people you're exposed to as exactly. well, the connections you make, exactly. just be phenomenal. I just calculated <clears throat> what's the size of my network, all the connections that I have. It's millions of people in mm -hmm. the connection. I always tell my friends. They say your network is your net worth? Uh, I don't know, I never looked at my network as from the financial perspective, I always look at it how much knowledge we can bring to Dubai, how much investment we can bring to this country. Uh, at the same time, the knowledge, I mean, just go to LinkedIn. I'm very active in LinkedIn. I have almost 32,000 followers. I get to know a lot of stuff from LinkedIn, from my people that I have in network. Mm -hmm. Someone talks about sustainability, people talk about real estate, others talk about success, 
marketing strategies. Mm -hmm. So you, you get, I mean, the amount of knowledge, connections. Whenever I travel, I always look into my LinkedIn and um, my other uh, contacts. And I say, I'm going to the United States, to Washington, D.C. Who should I meet? Then I get 20 people in my network. Oh, I should meet this guy. I should. And then I email them and I meet with them. I make a lot of new friends in government and private sector and academia. Uh, so I, f I like to call myself a global citizen. Uh, a global citizen uh, that uh, has connections almost in every single country. A person who is in a journey, not a personal journey, but a journey uh, that should reflect good on the society and the globe. I don't look at myself. I never looked at myself. I always look at how can I be a great person because we have in Arabic, the great person is the servant person. So to be a leader, you have to be a servant, mm -hmm. servant to, to your people, to your community. I want to feel good about myself that I'm giving back to community. Mm -hmm. When an investor comes and complain and I help them all the way till their issue is completed and successful, I feel so happy. I feel so happy that I'm giving back that's fantastic. Now, you're an accomplished speaker. I've seen you on countless stages here in the region. You uh, are busy with working on something with Beirut at the moment, where you're producing content talking about, uh, in Arabic I've noticed as well, so not enough subtitling for me, so I don't understand everything that's going on. Do you, do you enjoy producing content? Do you enjoy sharing your knowledge? Is that something that you get great, great fun out of and stimulation? I never thought that I'll be in a position to share my content using the media and social media. But from the so many emails and communications that I get from people that are upset about certain issue in real estate, uh, sometimes it's investors has have taken decisions without really looking into certain aspects. So I said, Instead of helping one person, why not? And I went to Beirut, I said, why not we do such a program, Real Estate Bites? It's not about marketing. And this is what I started yesterday, the episode saying that to the guests and the experts, I'm not going to allow anyone to market his company or project or developer. We want to answer people's question. So you, can, you get the question, how do we invest? We're in a stuck or uh, in a desperate project. How do we act? Uh, what is the legal aspect when it comes to this and that? And now we have thousands of people can access this video. And why Arabic? Because I found a lot of people who were, uh, I don't want to call it cheated, but they got uh, their fingerprints from the first time. A lot of them are coming from Arabic speaking countries. Maybe part of it because there's not so much content for them, how to invest, where to invest, the common mistakes. And that's why actually I started my own blog, Real Estate Doctor blog. Uh, some people say, why a doctor? I say, because I did my PhD, so I <laughs> a doctor. doctor. <laughs> but it's not like I want to show off. No, I never, and I don't want. So uh, what drove me, uh, Spencer, is not because I want to be in the media. No. My love to serve people. Mm -hmm. I feel so good when someone comes and say, Mahmoud, because of this advice, I saved this amount of money, or you saved my life, or... I met a lot of people say, because of your advice, we've taken the right decision, which saved us a lot of uh, right procedure. Yeah. So I feel happy about that. Yeah, and you should, because yeah. that's the right thing to do. The, 
there's lots of people that, that you know that I, I'm exposed quite heavily to the real estate industry as well. And so I hear lots of questions or opinions around sentiment and what goes on in the real estate industry here right now. And, you know, I'm no expert. You know, I, I've been sucked into this industry. Um, I'm no expert in, in real estate. But what's going on here in Dubai? Why and answer me that in a in a in a macro sense rather than a micro? What's going here in Dubai that's causing people to worry? That's a good question. And thank you for asking this question. <laughs> this is again, I never expected you to ask me about real estate. Uh, see, the real estate market. There's always this cup is half empty, half full, right? So let's say a lot of people say there are a lot of supply coming to the market. This is bad news. I say, okay, the good thing is about so much supply is that it will give you better opportunities, better options and products you can pick and choose. And it's again, it's a buyer market. So for buyers, I think this is a great opportunity. Other people will say the prices went down by 30% from 2014 till today. Yes, this is a great news for me. Why? Because it's more affordable. I couldn't afford it. 2014 mm -hmm. now I can get a villa in Dubai for 900,000 mm -hmm. now I get a direct financing from developers mm -hmm. seven years and now it's also I mean it went up to 20 years some developers give you 20 years did they yes you right. don't need banks so what I say is that if from a numbers point of view the prices are down which is great. The supply is too much. You can choose. You can go wherever you want, the community that you want. You can bargain. Um, Expo is coming. Yes, we should not uh, say Expo is going to make the prices go up so much, but the Expo itself is a great opportunity. Wherever it happened, it took actually the real estate market to the next level. The prices increase in almost every single city that hosts an Expo because Expo exposed the city and make the brand of the city appealing to international investors. I have a lot of funds and capital that call me and contact me from the UK, from the US. We are interested in Dubai now. Mm -hmm. We want to invest. We have a 3 billion fund. We have a 4 billion fund. So we became also more interesting destination for institutional investors. We are, we, they call it fly to quality. Mm -hmm. The products now are higher quality compared to five and 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, definitely, I agree with that. Higher quality, better prices, better options. You have now rent to own. Some people say, we may lose our job. Okay, that's bad news. But you are in a rent to own. So assume that you leave the country, you can rent your property. And this rent is the same installment that the developer is I'll asking. That the laws are changing as well, so people mm -hmm. can get longer resident permits yes. to give more stability yes. around that market. So. For the, for the naysayers and for the negative people out there, they should be looking at the glass being half full instead of half empty. And that's mm -hmm. the place you come from. Yes, and my advice, buy when everyone sells and, not, and sell when everyone buy. So now a lot of people are selling, so good. You buy now. Mm. I mean, it's always the psychology. People don't know something, they are worried about investing. The question I got yesterday, amazing question. How do we invest? My first time, I'm in Saudi. How do we, I take care of my property if it's in Dubai? So if we educate people, make them aware, we are transparent enough, tell them the prices are down. Yes, why not? We tell them the prices are down by 30%. Yes, that's a good news. It's affordable. 
We are more transparent than any time before. Well, look, if you were going to buy a stock, you'd always want to buy it as cheap as you possibly could. So why would you not want to buy a piece of real estate as cheap as you could? Yes. At the end of the day, it's an amount of money that's being invested for a long term. Exactly. So. And the minimum we can get is now 6-7% yield. This is one of the highest worldwide. Now, is real estate a sector that the government, and Sheikh Mohammed has, has put you in into that place, but is it a sector that actually personally excites you? Yes. Yeah? Initially, no. I was an electrical engineer and I thought that my job will be electrical engineering. So I met His Excellency Minister Gergawi at that time. He was the chairman of Dubai Holding. And he said, we want you to be in the business side, not in the engineering side. So I said, how come I am an engineer? I am a technical guy. I am a numbers guy. How do you want to put me in business? But I said, I'm going to take this. And then when I was sent to Singapore to do my master's, this was very critical time that changed my life. I got to know the best real estate model, which is Singapore. For me, I think Singapore is one of the best real estate models. Uh, my professors used to be practitioner, but at the same time, academia in Singapore. Some of them are government officials, some of them are business leaders, and they took me in the different journeys in China and Malaysia and Vietnam. So I got to know real estate best practices, and I came back to Dubai energetic whatever i learned from singapore i want to implement here in dubai okay that's right really uh so real estate is now uh for me is my only passion i will i don't see myself in another industry maybe i moved Whoa, a little a, well, bit that's a big old thing to say there yeah. is i mean how old are you now 31 36 36 looking good yeah so 36 years old with a family and and it's at a young age of 36, and I can say that because I'm 49, um, to say that that's your thing, that's your kind of like, that's your bag. No. That's your thing is quite, quite yeah. interesting to hear. I uh, moved recently in terms of research. I do, I do a lot of research. I used to be called the researcher of the school when I was young, and this is the habit that I took with me. I Google every day about six, seven hours because I want to know if anything comes into my mind, I Google it. Google Spencer, Google... Uh, this guy, that guy, this, this concept, crowdfunding and so on. So recently I moved to research in the city's domain. And that's why I did my master's in cities. We don't look at Dubai as buildings, as real estate. We look at it as a city, mm -hmm. social sustainability of the city, mm -hmm. how we are building the best education, health facilities. Yeah. How do we make people happy? So I moved also into the happy, happiness uh, domain. And recently I joined a Canadian group that does a lot of research in the Middle East on how to make cities happier. So I moved from real estate, how we use real estate as an asset that makes people happy, how we make real estate sustainable, how we make real estate smart. Do you consider then urban development really as a, an area that you're learning and... and yes that kind of impact around that. How to make a city happy, that's exactly. a, what a great way of, of yeah, asking a yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. How do you make a city happier? Exactly, um, and this is my PhD actually research. Uh, and I can share with you the conclusions whenever you have time. It's uh, about 300 pages of research. And this research at the end, I started with asking people about real estate and I was shocked to see at the end, people never care about real estate. People invest in a real estate in a city because they care about the city, the assets of the city, the leadership of the city, the laws of the city, how they live. 
the education facilities, the health, the entertainment. So, and this is what I call it, the system thinking. And this is why we need system thinkers. We don't want people who think about real estate as isolated. Real estate is a system that is correlated with finance system, with entertainment system, with so many other systems. Mm -hmm. And this is where we find uh, city and urban development domain, very interesting, that builds on the real estate knowledge that I have. But I still call myself a real estate person. What do you think that Dubai, if it's done anything wrong, what it's done wrong over the last 10 years? Has it made any mistakes? And of course, everywhere makes mistakes. But is there anything that you sit down and say, they could have done that a bit better or they maybe shouldn't have done that? I mean, doing mistakes is something normal. His Highness Sheikh Mohammed always say, doing mistakes is fine, but we need to correct them. So I think uh, from 2001 <coughs> to 2007, there wasn't an escrow account or a trust account. So a lot of projects were sold, the off-plan projects without escrow account, without trust account. So when the recession started in the US and came here to Dubai, we had to deal with a lot of projects that does not, that do not have escrow account, no money in a lot of these escrow account. But we learned the lesson in 2007, we started the trust account. So the good thing about Dubai is we are proactive. And uh, whenever anything we see wrong, we correct it. So I was hoping that the residency visas that was passed last year came earlier, 2004 or three. Uh, but it's, it's also good, it's coming at the right time now. People want to feel that there are a lot of long-term solutions now. Mm. You own a property, you can live, you can have five or 10 people, years. People will always have, or, or foreigners will always have one foot out of the door if they don't know that they can have safety being here long-term. They'll always have, because they'll always have to think about the alternative. Yes. If, I mean, I've been here 15 years, and so I think obviously less and less about the alternative all the time, but I still have to prepare for in case there has to be an alternative. And after 15 years of being here, this is the longest I've lived anywhere in my life. Longest I've lived anywhere. And so to live here for 15 years, it would be good to know that there was an opportunity for me not ever have to worry about leaving. You know, this is now my home. And so I'm here forever. And if you go and live in, I don't know, I had many Indian clients in um, Amsterdam that were working at ABN Amro Bank back before I came to Dubai. And they had to be in Amsterdam or Holland for seven years. And after seven years, they would get a Dutch passport. And by getting a Dutch passport meant that that's it, that's home. And whilst you take um, Dubai and, and Monaco as another example of a place where that foreverness doesn't necessarily exist yet. Me being here for 15 years, I, I, I want to have the opportunity to have the peace of mind to know that, that guess what? This is your home. So instead of it being a two or a three year, it doesn't have to be a forever, but a longer term visa mm. resident permit opportunity. And whilst I know they've introduced that recently, um, that's not widespread and that it was being introduced for certain people or certain industries or certain specialties. Um, but there should be an opportunity to get points, I think. You've been here 15 years, you've contributed, you've, mm. you know, you've, you've, you've built um, businesses here, you've brought revenue into the country. Um, those things you've done, 
mean that you've got enough ticks on your boxes to say, you know mm-hmm. what, you can have a five, 10, 15 year, whatever it may be. As far as I know, there is uh, something in the pipeline, more of a loyalty, uh, mm. you can call it loyalty, points. Yeah. yeah. So there, there are a lot of programs in this field. Yes, they started with certain, I think, uh, categories, but I think they are in the final stage of uh, having a process. <clears throat> Once this started, it will go ahead and it will continue. And I think it will include more and more of talented people. At the end of the day, His Highness wants Dubai to attract the talented people, attract people who are looking for hope, people who are who want to make a change, who want to contribute, and at the same time, they want to enjoy the lifestyle that they don't find somewhere else. So Dubai is all about giving people a unique experience. And this is why maybe Sheikh Mohammed is one very few leaders who always talks about happiness, right? So happiness means long term. Happiness means make being part of this country. Mm, and secure, he wants people. Secure. And this is what I told you the story of His Highness. He was telling that young girl next to me in the graduation that Dubai, she said, I'm from Jordan. He said, no, you're from Dubai. Mm-hmm. So the good thing is that we have very visionary leadership in the United Arab Emirates who actually thinks ahead of us. I think maybe there's an impatience that comes because you ask too much too soon to yeah. some degree yeah. and you forget that at 48 years old, this country isn't that old yet it's come so far so quickly. Mm. But then you, you'll always come back to thinking about how it impacts you personally based upon your situation. You know, if someone's been here for 12 months or 24 months, it's like, yeah, it's great. You know, the, mm. that, that hasn't even come into their head yet. But for the ones of us that have been here some time. Okay. <clears throat> now, we've talked a bit about your, about your past. We've talked about your education and you've got way too many master's degrees. I'm not even going to allow you to list them. I'm fascinated that you think that real estate is is kind of like your thing but i'm also really interested in understanding a bit more about urban development we have drones and flying cars and this kind of stuff all on the horizon and peter diamandis when he comes to town and talks about it we sit there in awe of what the future may be with the artificial intelligence coming on board and dubai i regard as a as a future city and I don't look at Dubai as being stuck in the dark ages when it comes to adopting this kind of stuff. Can you imagine it taking us 15 minutes to jump on the Hyperloop and get to Abu Dhabi? How cool would that be? 20 minutes in Riyadh, yeah. It's interesting. And I think it's not about technology. It's about people-centered city. What is it that people want? They want livable city. They want walkable city. They want to be able to bike. The economies of sharing. There are a lot of things that we can share with the technology and advancement in technology now. A lot don't need to own a car, right? You don't need to own maybe, you don't need to go to a hotel now. You can book on Airbnb, right? So the technology impact on cities is going to be huge. How we develop the future cities. How do we want to make sure that using the technologies, using the uh, people, what they want, let's say. Uh, and this is something we've started to see recently in Dubai, the walkability aspect of cities is something was missing, I think, here. wasn't fair, giving a lot of attention. How we make healthy cities? We need them to be walkable. 
we also want them to be environmentally friendly. And this is why we have the Green Buildings Code that's now compulsory for all buildings in Dubai to be green because we want to save energy. We want people, we spend 90% of our time indoors. What is the impact of air, the quality, the AC, the lighting? So a lot of research goes into that field, how we build healthy cities because with healthy cities comes happiness. How we also build smart economies. Now economies is not about physical assets. You see Facebook worth billions, hundreds of billions of dirhams in it, dollars, and it's just a website, booking.com and so on. So I think how do we utilize technology for the benefit of people, not the other way around. We're not obsessed with technology. I mean, personally speaking, I'm not a big fan of having a flying car. If you can give me uh, something uh, cheaper, but also easier. If I can go to my work in five minutes or I can walk to my office or I can bike to my office, if you give me this experience, especially in good weather, it will be great. Actually, a lot of research have found out that biking and walking make people happier. Mm -hmm. Driving make you four times sad than the Ang police. Anxiety and stress, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there are a lot of things we need to look at what people want and their behavior to certain aspects and this will actually shape our future cities. We need cities to be affordable. People cannot afford living in expensive cities. Mm -hmm. We want cities that are socially inclusive. We want the rich to be living next to the poor. Why not? We don't want the gated communities, segregated communities. This is the, this is the norm. Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, right. Absolutely right. Shopping malls, for example. Now with the advancement of technology, a lot of people shop online. Do we need big malls? Do we need malls to be centered around shopping or maybe social stuff, dining, talking? Oh, for sure. You can see that happening, yeah, can't you? Yeah. You can see for sure somewhere as big as, you know, Mall of the Emirates, Dubai Mall, that it becomes a, a destination, yeah. a social destination rather than a shopping destination. Plus <coughs> the community malls. Now, you don't need to go to Dubai Mall or Mall of Emirates. You have a community mall next to you. Yeah. So a lot of this thinking came because this is what people want and this is how is it done in so many countries uh so you must get you must get a bit more of an insight as to what's going on in the upcoming years than maybe the average person does so you you, you probably get a window on some of this exciting stuff that's uh, that's coming and that's probably why you're talking at, at, from your point of view um with that kind of perspective do you do you, do you when you look at when you look at how we're going to be living our lives in this city in the future. Do you think, do you think we'll have more cycle paths? Good man, okay, that's good. I do a, a walk next to my community in Barsha South and it's not very friendly for me to walk. And even sometimes my wife calls me, you're late, I thought maybe you're hit by a car or something, because you walk in the street, you have to get out of the pedestrian space to because there is, I mean, it's a small, it's narrow and so on. Yeah. So uh, I was part of uh, the UAE federal government project on designing happy communities. So we talked about all these stuff. So uh, this is going to be implemented soon in UAE uh, across the United Arab Emirates. So I'm very happy to see that the government now has all the guidelines and all the uh, pieces to make a great uh, city and great communities not enough to have a great city you need to have also great communities you need to have a community that has everything uh, few minutes far from you hospital school offices uh, entertainment the greenery 
Uh, I mean, you are in a city, and I want to say here an example of the chief of Dubai police, uh, Abdullah Al-Marri. I had the pleasure of supporting Dubai police on sustainability. You never find a police department worldwide that talks about happiness and sustainability. I had so many meetings with the chief of Dubai police, and all he talks about is how we link security with happiness, how we link security with sustainability. And he talks about how community that has a greenery and walkability, he feels more secure in them. So you have government that thinks beyond uh, what can be thought about. I mean, Dubai police delegation went to United Nations SDGs program and SDGs event sustainable development goals. So, and I mean, personally, I was part of the United Nations team who, and government teams who worked on the 17 sustainable development goals. This is how we want to see the globe in 2030. And we're implementing here in Dubai and the United Arab Emirates. So we're building cities for people. Well, if you're building cities for people, give me, give me in your own expertise three tips. If a family is moving to Dubai from, it doesn't matter where they're coming from, okay? Three things, if they're going to buy a property to live in, they're going to consider a community. Um, three things that they should have, that they should be aware of and make sure that they do. The infrastructure of the community. So uh, how connected it is to the city. I mean, there are a lot of communities now very far from the city and it will take you uh, 40, 50 yeah, minutes. You say very far from the city. You know, most countries around the world, driving an hour to work is normal. Yes. Here, people have to drive 20 minutes to work and they're like, I live miles away. <laughs> but for us in Dubai, this is money. It has been calculated how much is the time that is lost in driving and in the traffic. This is billions of dirhams. And this is why we always say we want inclusive communities. We want public transit oriented uh, communities. And this is why we have Dubai Metro. We would love to see it more integrated into the city, more connected. We would love to see the trip using public transport half of the trip time uh, that is taken by private car, less of private cars, less of traffic, less of air pollution. So communities that is close to public transport facilities, parks, gardens, education, health, uh, that has a good variety of different cultures and social mm -hmm. ethnicities. So you get an opportunity to mix with people from all over the world. Uh, affordability, of course, you need to look at the prices and you need to look at the management of these properties. A lot of people buy and then they get stuck with properties that's not well managed and then it deteriorates very fast. Yeah, okay. If that's a tip then, management of properties, how can somebody that's going to buy, a, I don't know, a three-bedroom apartment in XYZ building, wherever it may be, how can they, how, how can they know in advance? Easy. Now we have uh, innovative ideas came from Property Finder. Yeah. And there is another company called Mentaga, which yeah. is the Arabic word of communities. Those guys, what they're doing is, is reviews by owners, by occupiers, of every single building so in like Dubai. So like a TripAdvisor yes. rating type Booking. thing. Booking.com. So I go there, I want to live in this tower. Yes, this is a great thing about it. This is a bad thing. The management is here. This is how much service charge we are paying and so on. So okay. with the technology now, you can get a lot of 
uh, so you, you can know. choose your accommodation by reviews of management standards yeah. yes I didn't know that yeah okay so they've got to look out for that this is a recent one but it's going to be yeah I mean, no absolutely yeah, makes yeah. sense doesn't yeah. it yeah. how would you find that out um, and do you think that schooling here in Dubai we've got a number of schools and, and many many more on the go um, being built in even more communities that are being built do you think that if you were moving to Dubai for the first time how old are your kids one is seven and a half one is four and a half okay so the, the your four and a half is just uh, kindergarten and you're seven and a half at school do you think you choose your accommodation where you're going to live based around the school you want to go to or do you consider how close you are to work as your priority what out of the two do you i choose? know a lot of people actually they prefer to choose a community that is closer to schools and good education and then the work is secondary and this is what i've done actually myself so my kids school is about five minutes away from my home my work is 25 minutes away okay um, i would love to have a school in that is even closer to my home uh, so being close to schools, hospitals, I mean, I would love to see a software or a program that gives you all these facilities. So when you come and rent out or you want to buy, oh, there's a hospital, there is a school, there is, there is this, that, and that, this entertainment, there is uh, a club for, I mean, exercise and sports and stuff. I mean, do you, with, yeah. do you think that employers should take more time to educate staff on this type of stuff? I don't think so. I mean, people are educated now. Uh -huh. And with the technology and advancement of technology now, we have uh, a you lot of stuff. Yeah, Makes sense. So we talk real estate just for five minutes before we finish, okay, in terms of the kind of stuff that's talked about a lot. All right. I find that there's lots. Of, if, I, I think if you took 75% of the real estate agents away from this city, I don't think any less business would be done in terms of real estate. So I have a an issue around the standard of the people that are selling real estate and the skills that they have. Um, and they're the people that just like stockbrokers create market sentiment. And if all of those real estate agents are walking around the city telling everyone the market's bad, then guess what? And if they're all walking around the city saying to everybody, the glass is half full, not half empty, and told your story and everyone said that, I think that there'd be a lot more confidence. So that alone is something that frustrates me. Um, People complain about the loan to value. That's a common thing, isn't it? You've you probably heard that a thousand mm. times and that, that it should be changed. And But if you had a loan to value that was 90% as opposed to 75%, then you've really got to consider um, the fact that there'll be some people that are in negative equity when prices have gone down that the banks have to handle. So there's, a, I suppose, an argument for that. What? And then you've got the argument of there's so much supply coming on right now that the secondary market is getting battered because of all the supply that's coming in from the new products. And as you say, the products keep getting better, don't they? So, you know, who wants to buy a 10-year-old house here that when they can buy one that's shiny and new by comparison? These, these problems for everyday people, for a lot of them are everyday problems that, that are very real problems. They exist and they're, and they're in the forefront of their mind. How do, how do you get that right? So many questions in one. <laughs> Let's go back 2001, 2000. The model that Dubai adopted at that time built and they will come, right? So 
the story of oversupply I've been hearing since I joined Rira or even before 2003 used to hear oversupply so many properties it was absorbed all absorbed you're right but, actually yeah, yeah I, so I, this I, I, story I, I, in every single city Shanghai Hong Kong Singapore they always have the same story and then all of a sudden the story goes affordability problem not so much supply the demand cannot catch up uh, the supply cannot catch up with the demand so the real estate itself is inelastic so inelastic means what it takes time to build the stock mm -hmm. and when the demand over i mean increases over the supply the prices will go up so having affordable prices this is a policy objective having so much supply in the market but it's a regulated one is good for the competition is good for the quality if you have one developer in dubai what do you think the quality of mm. take it or leave it we like have 500 like developers was. you pick and choose uh, yes there are a lot of talks now in the government about the master plan and the urban planning committee and stuff to make sure that we are growing with a plan yes we know how many units will come to the market because we need them but let me tell you that and i'm sure of this we are in a region if you go east west north south not so many options for people to come right and go so we are expecting a lot of people to come to dubai we're expecting that dubai will continue to attract talents so we don't want if you want to attract talents you need an affordable housing market you need affordable living affordable education mm -hmm. affordable health affordable mm -hmm. retail so i'm a big fan of having so many options so many options but in the broker side i agree with you we have a lot of brokers but also initially when it started in dubai 2001 Everyone was a broker, the guard, the driver. We came, we regulated the market. We forced the uh, brokers to be following certain standards. You still have freelancers that they shouldn't be there. So, and this is why we always advise investors to deal with the right brokers. Inv I mean, do your search, find who's the right broker to deal with. Um, I mean, I agree with you. We have so many brokers, should be less should be less yes but or higher quality ah okay so higher quality or less so if mm -hmm. you had the same number of brokers and you had them all of a much higher standard then that wouldn't be a problem in your mind yes i mean and bear in mind that those brokers are not only selling to people in the united arab emirates a lot of them are selling no, to, they're selling to chinese to China. uk and so yeah. on so yeah. for us we consider them the ambassadors of this market because and they should be good That's ambassadors. That's a really important word we to use. Want them. Do they consider themselves ambassadors of the market? Though? We and want that. I wish they did. Yes, because they are the first interface with investor. Yeah. We want investor to have a very good impression from day one, rather than being stuck with a bad developer or a bad broker. We want them to be, uh, I mean, taken care of. And this is why we always say, and I used to always say whenever I go and train and lecture to the brokers, you are the ambassadors of Dubai real estate market to the U to international community, to people living in the United Arab Emirates. You are the first interface. So be ethical. Even being ethical may not pay at certain point on the short term, but in the long term, you will be. The word of mouth, your reputation is very important. If you're here for long term, then you guys have to be ethical. You have to be transparent. You have to work for the best of your client rather than taking advantage of them. 
Okay, that's really interesting. Then let's talk about the the qualifications they need to be good at their job. There's an exam with Rira? Yes. Okay, if you were to give that exam a mark out of 10 yourself for how good it is, what would you give it out of 10? Can I not answer this nah. question? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to get a scoop there for a second. Do you, do you, uh, obviously, uh, the, 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 there's lots of people that talk about it. I mean, I'm not a real estate guy, mm-hmm. so I can be completely objective. There's lots of people that say the exam's really easy. Well, d- did you hear how much, what is the passing grade? Please, well, hold on a minute. This is down to either the exam or the quality of the people. So let's go for it. What is the pass grade? 85. 85%. So if you get 84, you fail. And what percentage of people fail first time? 30, 40%. 30-40% But we give time. them another chance and this is why it's higher. And does that exam teach them enough? See, the first time they have to do a course. This is where we think that this will teach them. But then the years after, it's, we, we give them exam. And now recently there is a change that they come and do refresher they come and do certain courses is there not like 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 they could go and take an exam every two years or there could be exams that make them higher qualified like in financial services you know in in the uk you have fpc one two three four five six if you're six you're chartered and Mm -hmm. that means you've gone through a whole series of learning like you with masters okay you've gone through a whole series of learning and you've got better and better and better and it's stating that you for the consumer Okay, are a, a highly qualified real estate mm. broker as opposed to a qualified or a well qualified. I think Spencer, we just want to make sure that we're talking about the right thing. We don't have issues with the brokers not knowing real estate laws or regulation. The issue with some brokers is ethics, and ethics is something you may not be able to teach them. But in financial it's, services, you have ethics exams yes, as well. Yes. So we should have it. Yeah. yeah. I was one of the guys who was pushing for ethics exam. Okay. And I hope that it will be done one day. But also we have to have a strict regulatory framework, the carrot and the cake. Yeah. Sorry, the carrot and carrot the stick. stick yeah. Oh, I'm very hungry. I want carrot cake. <laughs> <laughs> the carrot and the cake. So <laughs> the carrot and the stick. <laughs> so yes, we have one of the best regulatory framework but it's about the enforcement. It's about the bad guys should be out, right? And from no, early- no, no, no. Let's, 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 let's make no joke here or bones about this. There's bad people in every industry. Yes. The real estate's not the only industry that's got exactly. you know, lawyers and accountants and everything out there that's good and there's bad. So let's not you know, make out that the real estate industry is the only industry that has bad people. However, the, the consumer deals with that ambassador. And if that ambassador is representing your country okay, and an industry, then they have a duty and a responsibility. If they don't take it seriously, what then happens is what's happened here. There is a lot of people in the market that the focus is, because they're commission only, they're just worried about making as much money as they can, some of them, uh, and their focus is on that commission revenue rather than the value proposition they bring to their prospective client. And that for me is, is, is where the, 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 the issue it lies. Because most people, if they applied for a job at a real estate brokerage in this town, most people wouldn't struggle to find somebody that would give them a job. No? Yep. It's a different story. Well, I deal with them. So I'm dealing with these companies and I'm training these people. So, so I know what it takes to get through the doors of some companies. And, and while this might be 
um, uh, controversial. Uh, I'm working training salespeople and a lot of real estate salespeople from a sales and an ethics and a, uh, um, a responsible point of view. Uh, I think the rule should always be if you wouldn't sell it to your mum, then you shouldn't sell it to anyone. It's a very old fashioned thing that I say and treat everyone as if they are your mother because you know you'll always do your best for your mum. And so I have this, this has always resonated in my brain. <laughs> but but there, 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 there are, the fact that you said that 30, 40% fail the first time they take the exam means either they didn't study or uh, they're not good enough. Let's say they didn't study hard enough and then they pass the second time. I, and when that, that law came in, okay, the rear law came in and the exam came in, that was a big step in the right direction. It was kind of like, well, there's an exam you've got to pass now. Yes, you, know, you can't sell financial advice without being qualified. You can't be a chartered accountant without being qualified. You can't be a lawyer without being qualified. And, and although there's higher stages, you have to have that qualification. So that rear step was a really positive step. Can't we just build on that? You should. And I like what you said. If you don't sell it to your mom, don't sell it to me. So I had a broker who called me a couple of days ago. Did he call you mom? <laughs> no, no, he said... <laughs> Yeah, he said, uh, we have uh, a lot of great uh, opportunities if you're interested. I said, before continuing, will you sell them to your mom? And he kind of, uh, okay. Uh, I told him, look, I want an opportunity that you give it to your mom and she will buy it. And he said, okay, I'll call you back. And he never called back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, Dubai is always about a gradual improvement of markets. Uh, we have a vision. We want this market to be uh, more transparent, more ethical, and we want the progress to be uh, actually, we want to live, we want the level of real estate progress to be higher and higher over time. And I think now our team is working on a new law for real estate progress. So this law is going to take the brokerage industry to the second level. I promise you. And Can you tell me more about it? We cannot say so much, but... But there is think, a new law coming. Yes, there is a new law coming. Our people are drafting it. It will take uh, maybe the, till the end of this year. But this law is looking at every single issue. The complaints, the investors' uh, progress relation, the progress developers' relation. We want to protect the, the progress, by the way. The good ones. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This, this law is not about... Uh, yeah, I don't fun, want yeah. to get... You yeah. know, I don't want anyone listening to this. That, yeah. uh, thinking that I'm saying they're all bad. There are some brilliant people yes. out there. They really are. There are some great companies, some great people. And in most companies, there's good people. Yes. There is just bad people too in lots of them. So this law is going to be good for the good and bad for the bad. Excellent. <laughs> and I think <laughs> so that's, that's that, I it's say. almost like, you know, you learn to drive a car and if you don't drive the car properly, then you get punished and then you have to go resit yes. another exam to demonstrate that you can be a responsible driver. And, and if you cross that uh, signal, yeah. you're out. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so, think, yeah. I think that kind of stuff should be how it is. Okay, cool. Excellent stuff. Um, I could sit and talk to you for the next couple of days because I've got to know you a bit and it's, <laughs> great, it's great brainstorming with you. But uh, first of all, Sincerely, thank you for sharing your story and thank you for taking the time. I know you're busy to come and chat with me today. Um, and secondly, did you enjoy it? Very much. Okay. Thank you so much. And thanks to the team. You did a great job. <laughs> and maybe if there is a message that I want to get to in my, I mean, the last sentence is that never give up 
is my advice to everyone. There is always time, there are always opportunities. You fall down, you wake up. You fall down again, you wake up again. Don't ever give up. If a door is closed, look at another door. If all the doors are closed, jump out of the window. <laughs> but there are always opportunities and never give up. This is my advice. Well, thank you. I really, really appreciate you saying that. Mahmoud Alberai, my guest on the Spencer Lodge podcast. Thanks very much for coming on, mate. Thank you so much. Cheers, Thanks buddy. a lot. Thanks. <laughs>